space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome back to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we're starting off a tiny, tiny bit of Star Trek news this week, mainly building on what we talked about last week when Wilson Cruz tweeted that season four had started filming, then they took it down. Uh, there's been a few more things that seem to be pointing in that direction, like there was a tweet of... Uh, I think it was like the stage door that said cast and crew this way uh, from the the sets where they usually film Discovery. So it, even though there's not been an official official announcement, it's looking pretty pretty much for definite. Yeah, but, um, well, well, there's like the New York Comic Con's going on into in October. Yeah, and Star Trek has definitely confirmed being there, and we think that they're gonna announce a lot of stuff. Yeah, at New York Comic Con. Yeah, so we'll we'll wait on for official confirmation of it, but it's looking looking pretty much like they're yeah. they're underway with that. So yeah, that... which is quite <laughs> ironic because I remember when season one started and um, Midnight Sedge immediately the fan, fandom menace were, oh, it's shocking, it's terrible, it won't get renewed. Yeah. Okay, it's been renewed um, to try and get shareholders to invest okay if there's a third season it'll only be 10 10 episodes to save face well it's 13 episodes and now we've got the fourth season being filmed well the thing is if they keep saying that it's getting cancelled every season one season they will be right but um... well obviously obviously eventually you're going to be right if you say it's going to get cancelled every single season but that's not you feel sorry for ones who are doing it for like Supernatural. They're up to like season fifteen. Going, this is <laughs> yeah. definitely this well, season. It's sort of like, like it does it because it just becomes stupid, doesn't it? When oh, it's yeah. every season, oh, it's getting cancelled. It's getting cancelled. It's getting cancelled. It's nonsense. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, it looks like season four's underway. Um, yeah. But we'll wait on official confirmation of it. And I think, have you got a theory for us this well, week? It, it's in actually mind it, but it's all over the net. Um, and it's regarding sort of like the hints we've been given of the season three with the burn. Right. And that the Federation hasn't been attacked, but it's splintered. They can't, so they sort of can't get around, you think. And uh, the point in that it could have something to do with um, a throwback to a Voyager episode. Uh, the Amiga Particle. Ah, right. I think yeah, I might have seen so, this. Yeah, if someone's been messing about with Amiga Particles and that and caused a huge explosion, it basically collapses subspace. Right, I could so be that then. So you can't have subspace communication, you can't have warp travel, and it suddenly make like the discovery, which is going to be 900 years out of date, uh, technologically-wise, the most powerful ship in the quadrant because it uses uh, magic mushrooms to get around. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think we said sort of when we were watching season two that I think the reason they kept the spore drive ongoing is because they obviously want to use it in season three. So yeah, yeah, that that seems I, I quite so, like that. Um, 
so that's one to that's one to watch. Uh, we we haven't got time to cover it now before Discovery. On it. But um, it's season four, episode twenty one or twenty two of Voyager. Jim right. Particles. So yeah, I remember. It, that... I watched it the other day, and it is well worth. I remember it being. A, yeah, anyway, I remember it so... being a good one. So yeah, that's worth checking out. Right, awesome. So. Yeah, we'll find out eventually what the burn is, but... Yeah, well, we haven't got long to wait, have we? No, not weeks. long at all. We've got a couple of weeks now. So yeah, this episode... This episode, we're finishing off, finally, the Temporal Cold War. Uh, we're doing the two-part uh, start of Season 4 of Enterprise Stormfront, Parts 1 and 2. And then we're going to look at the latest episode of Lower Decks, Veritas. Yeah. So let's start off then with Enterprise. So we, we said last week we were going to get everything wrapped up. The Temple Cold War, <laughs> it's all going to be explained. And it's not all explained, but, you know, they, they have a well, go. Like, no, no, let's be fair to the episode. Daniels, at the end of it, says that the Temple Cold War is coming to an end. It's all wrapping up. Yep, it does. So that... But <laughs> I'm not sure if um, if there was actually if we actually got a payout for our pre- our previous sticking with the temporal cold war. No, I mean the the weird thing is like you're right at the end he says it's all wrapping up and all of this, but earlier in the episodes they've been saying it you know we're going to stop it before it even starts by doing this and yeah. You know, it's a it's a weird one. It's so has it become one of these like we had so many times in Voyager where <clears throat> where it's never happened. You know, is it one of them? I don't know. Uh, no, the temp- no, it's definitely happened because the episodes of Enterprise have definitely happened, and the crew remembers some happening. Yeah, and that's lots true. Of it all, so it has all happened. Right. So we haven't got a, we they haven't gone down the Voyager route of time travel that. At the end of the episodes, let's make it easy and it just hasn't happened. Right, so it's all yeah. it's all definitely happened, but it's all yeah. wrapped up by the end yeah. of this episode. I, like, I don't think Earth's, Earth's history hasn't happened until this episode shows us. No, no. But it does tell you that history is resetting itself, so... Yeah, because... But they... Enterprise has logs of all this happening. Yeah. So they, they basically say, don't they, that... He's this Vox guy, or Vos so, has yeah, been... Yeah, so, like, well, so far, we've got the Suliban Earth faction. And they're controlled by Future Guy. Yeah, we've got the Folian Earth faction. We don't know who who's don't in charge know who of they're them. controlled by. Yeah. We have the Zindi were controlled by the Sphere Builders. Yeah. That's been wrapped up and dealt with. So that one, yeah, done. Um. And then we've got Daniels. Who, this episode, they refer to them as Temporal Agents, don't they? That seems to be the yeah. name of his faction, Temporal yeah. Agents. So we've but got... we've got to say that it's still part of the Federation. Yeah. I think we can give it... A... But then we've got this new character, what is it, Vosk? Vosk, who's... He's, Vosk. He's like it's the big... Faction. He's the big bad guy. Yeah, but this is a fifth faction that we've not seen before. True. But, so, but got he's... three factions already that we need wrapping up, and we're in the final of it. So they've decided that the best way to do that 
It's just to throw another faction in suddenly. Yeah, but this one's even worse. He's like the worst, worst of all the factions. Yeah, he's they... going out of his way to disrupt everything and that's, destroy all time. Yeah, that's what they tell us. But but yeah, you're right. And it and they just throw Silic in for the sake of it so they can wrap Silic up as well. But we don't yeah, we don't even see the... future guy. We don't find out anything yeah, about what was going on there. It's fact and then. Archer's girlfriend, are we calling her? The resistance lady. Yeah, from uh, the most boring episode of Star Trek ever. Is she? What's, what was she in? Oh, um, sorry. There's two knights. Oh, I thought you meant the lady that he gets friendly with in this one. No, no. Yeah, the one back on the planet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. No, no, we never find out anything about that either. No, that, so that's been a loose end. So we had to watch the most boring episode of Star Trek <laughs> ever. And we've got absolutely no payout for that. No, <laughs> it's true. But you know, let let let's see what we do get in this episode, okay. then, and we'll we'll see. So we we go back to we've got the planes and the Spitfires and all that. You get a little bit of an action sequence, and they manage to escape from them. Yeah. Now, to be fair, I'd expect a shuttlecraft to be able to escape from planes quite yeah, easily. Yeah, I thought that. I thought the shuttlecraft got a bit of a pounding, to be honest, considering... Mind it... you, I wonder if that's because they're fight, firing kinetic weapons. That's true. Like, but... like it's going through the... Or like it's actually hitting the metal case. It could be. And in, all... danger of, and in danger of rupturing it, as opposed to an energy weapon yeah. that it sort of displaces... Or it could be that they've they've been upgraded a bit because you know we see in this episode that the Vosk is upgrading all the Nazi stuff. So yeah, maybe. Um, then we get archers being transported by all these Nazis, and this is just straight out of like a World War Two film and everything. It's oh yeah. I mean, what were what we're kind like, of getting here? What's really annoying about this episode is this is actually a really good fun two-parter. Mm. The problem is, with the episode, is it's the conclusion of the Temporal Cold War and it doesn't deliver as being the conclusion of a 13-part story. No, it... But it delivers as actually being a, as a two-parter on its own. It delivers as a fun episode. Yeah, it's decent enough. I mean, I, I've got some sort of issues with it. Like, you know, what we're basically getting here is kind of like the man in the high castle, isn't it? It's, you, we've got the Germans have, have come to America. And, yeah, uh, like I wondered, uh, when you look at Vosk, especially when he's in his German uniform, don't you think that could be like the Red Skull? Oh, yeah, there's, it, yeah. It's, very, it's got very much reminiscent of and that sort of, from the comic he's, era. He's upgrading all the weapons, like they do yeah. with the Tesseract and in um, the first Avenger and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's a it's a very sort of pulpy, boy's own adventure sort of thing that, um, yeah, it wouldn't be out of place in a, a Captain America comic or what have you. No. <laughs> I think you... You can do it with that tone, but I feel like it it's trying to sort of step a little bit of a toe into a little bit more serious thing with the idea of Nazi-occupied America, but it, I don't think it nails it in that respect. Like like yeah, you said, you know, like, the, 
the man in the high castle like, does that and does it very like, well. So still had um, all the fears, didn't they, of like the terrorist strikes that they'd had of America? Yeah, all that was going on. So I wonder if there was a bit of that sort of fear going on if they Maybe. ever got occupied. And... I I just feel like it. I I don't think it takes it seriously enough for that to yeah that to land. This seems like you say it's sort of a fun. Kind of it adventure, is. a bit like, of a like, romp. And... Like as a two-parter, if you were just switching up, if you were just watching Enterprise, and I think I think watching through Enterprise, you could be forgiven for not realizing that there was actually a, tr- a train of episodes that was a big story yeah. out of the Temporal Cold War. I mean, my understanding of it was that this is by this point, Manny Koto is in charge of Enterprise. He's the showrunner. And I think he did, the the network said, you've got to wrap up the Temporal Cold War. So he thought, right, I'll do it with this two-parter. Yeah, I'll get it out of the way straight away. And get everything done, and I'll have a bit of fun with vampire Nazi aliens, and that'll be that'll all be good fun. And, <laughs> you know, it, it does do it, but like you say, it doesn't, it doesn't pay off the things it should have done. Yeah, it doesn't give us payoff. Like, Especially like how we've done it—that we've actually watched. Yeah. How we've actually gone and watched the Temporal Cold War. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, we do, and, and we're not getting a payout for our eleven, twelve weeks of viewing. Yeah. Into this. And the thing is, as as we commented on a lot as we were going through, it never ever kicked into gear. The Temporal Cold War. It was always just. Someone would turn up, say something about the Temporal Cold War. We wouldn't really find out anything about it. Yeah. And then the episode would finish. And that just happened over and over and over and over again. And we wind up with this, which doesn't... If this had just been a a one-off thing, like you say, this two-parter, and this was the first time we'd heard of the Temporal Cold War. Or or even that they've been thrown back in time. Yeah. Something to do with... You could have had this... As a standalone, they've, they've defeated this thing, they defeated this, the sphere builders, and part of uh, destroying the anomaly, the, the spheres and the anomaly, part of it blowing up, yeah. has set them back in time. Yeah. I mean, that that's how it looked at the end of season three, wasn't it? And then yeah, we like, find out we in this fa- one. We do find out here, like, like they have the Robocop crossover, don't they? <laughs> what you mean with Daniels? Yeah, like in, in the pug face. It very much so, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he turns up and he, he's but, like, I was, I was, I've been thinking about this actually all day. It's been really bugging me. So we've got archers being thrown back in time. He was on the weapon. Yeah. So what were they about a hundred thousand miles away from Earth at the time it blew up? Something like that, yeah. So. If he's thrown, just thrown back in time, he'd appear in space. <laughs> yeah. But you've also got the Enterprise has been thrown back in time. So has has the Enterprise been thrown back in time from when it set off from the the Expanse, or once it reached our solar system, it's gone back in time? I think can't Daniels send people through space as well as time though? Yeah, but he doesn't know where Archer is. Oh yeah, that's true. He thinks Archer should, like what I'm getting at is if I, if Daniels has done this, so he's brought the Enterprise back, 
in time. Yeah. And he's done it when it's hit our solar system. And it's also picked Archer yeah. from two months earlier because it's taken him a couple of months to get back from that. That's expense. very true, yeah. So he's, he's picked Archer from a different point in time to bring him to the same point in time. And he's had to move him in space. Otherwise, he'd appear, appeared in the vacuum and he'd be dead now. True. So instead of putting him on the Enterprise, he's just stitched him randomly on Earth. Yeah, that's a very good point. And put him into the hands of the aliens that he wants him to defeat. It's almost like we said last week, they just threw all this stuff at the cliffhanger at the end of it and didn't really know what they were going to do with it. And now now we're sort of trying to pick it all out. And go, okay, Daniels did it and... This, but Daniel sort of doesn't know where Archer is. No, and Daniel's in in a good way either. <coughs> so that gives me the, that gives me the impression Daniel's was only responsible for moving the Enterprise. Maybe, but yeah, but so who's moved Archer? <laughs> it's I mean it's got to be Daniel's with yeah, or, or maybe a random um, little ship that's bigger on the inside that can move through <laughs> time and space is just to, to save uh, Archer. It could have been. I mean, it, you know what? Like, obviously, it's a random little ship that has nothing to do whatsoever with the intellectual property of any other franchises. <laughs> <laughs> it, it could be another faction. It, it might, you well, know. At, at one point, Daniels did say something about, I think he said there were seven factions... Right, okay. So I'm we... sure he says that in one of the earlier episodes of Seven Factions, so we're only getting five, so there's still two factions that we've not even seen. True, but at least they're not two loose ends we have to worry about. But, um, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a weird one. And, th- I mean, there is some good stuff in it. Like, I, I like the... There's a bit where the aliens are sort of talking to the Nazis and they're showing them the weapons that they've got and they're like, oh, we've got these biological weapons and they've made little propaganda videos for them. Yeah. Like almost like a sales pitch video. Like, look at us nasty weapons. <laughs> I mean, it... Now, I-, I could imagine a... Do you remember that episode of um, DS9 way? Quarken started working with his cousin. Oh, yeah. And he was selling weapons and it's like showing them off. You can imagine Quark having made a video like that. Yeah, exactly. It's just, I mean, it, it just looks so... It's so silly that it's it, it's fun because yeah. it's like these aliens have gone back in time. Like, how are we going to sell these weapons to the Nazis, right? We've got to make these little videos that... I mean, it just <laughs> beggars belief. But anyway, they've done it. The, there's quite a good bit like the um, when Archer gets in sort of with the resistance and everything and there's this thing about um, the the lady he meets is African American and the plain black music and the like oh the Nazis forbid it and it's kind of a sort of a sign of resistance is playing yeah. this forbidden music and I think that's where it's you know, dipping a toe into the more serious side of it, and you're like, "Oh, that that's really interesting. That's uh, that's got something to say about occupation and things like that." But it, it's just a little, a yeah. little moment dropped in there, and yeah, and like <laughs> this resistance woman, she makes him a meal, and just how it is, and he goes, "It's lovely." She goes, "You're lying," which is fair enough. He's saying it's nice, but then the pair of them leave it. But she said that she only gets me. Oh, they only got me yeah, on yeah. a Wednesday and a Friday, and it's been cut to just one day. Yeah. So it's got her meat for the week, 
And they've just and he's just left it. <laughs> yeah. He's probably gonna go back in pot after that. They'll be like, if Archer won't eat it, somebody else will. But yeah, that's that's but bad for the week. Yeah, it's bad bad manners, and uh, you know, he should if they're giving him that, they should at least eat it. Yeah, he should. Yeah. Um, so what else goes on in there's all sorts going on in this first episode, it kind of jumps around, but we find out then that Vosk, because it's created all these paradoxes and they can't just get back home and all this, Vosk is trapped in this time period. So he has to use modern technology to build a time machine to get back. Yeah, so they've come back in time. Without, and they've got no way of getting back. So it's, mm. And then Daniel says, Vosk is the most dangerous person in the Temporal Cold War. He's defeated Daniels' faction in the future. And then he says, if you stop him now, though, it'll never happen. Yes. So, so a future version of Vosk has defeated Daniels' faction. Yeah. And th- this is Vosk before he's done all that then, and that's why Archer's yeah, going to so stop him. What what you get the idea is that the sort of, this is early on with this race, practicing yeah. the, the time travel and altering things. They've got stuck, and if they get back, they're going to win the war. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So we've got to stop them now, and that'll mean that, Presumably that'll mean Daniels' side wins the Temporal Cold War and they keep all the Accords enforced and all of that works. So that's more or less episode one. And then going back to propaganda videos, episode two opens with this news on parade thing with Hitler visiting America. Yeah. And again, this is... I'm not sure this is in good taste. You know, I get what they're going for, but it's like... That's a hell of a an image to invoke. Is well, Hitler no, strutting around like, America? To, to me, I think they have to do it because, like a lot during the Second World War, during the sort of the the first push of like the Germans when mm. they were just taking over all Europe very very quickly, Hitler did make all these visits to cities and all that. Oh yeah, I know. I just, like he did, it, he did it through Paris, etc. So it does make sense that it, oh, it does. He's yeah. gone to Washington. I just, I'm not, I'm not sure it sits well with me in an episode that, like we've said, even though it's dealing with Nazis and stuff like that, it's quite a light-hearted sort of adventure episode. And then you use this footage of Hitler at the start of it to. Effectively, it's a visual gag to open the episode. You know, like, look at this. Hitler, if Hitler had took America, this is what he'd have done. Uh, like, I just to me, in, in this episode, it makes sense that they're doing this. Yeah, I know, I know it makes sense. I just, I don't know if it sits right with me tonally, that's all. But, but yeah, I get what they're going for and everything with it. And same with, like, the Nazi flags on the White House, though. That's pretty bad CGI. Yeah, it was very uh, Phantom Menace-style CGI, everything pristine clean. Yeah, there's some iffy CGI throughout, really. Yeah, we're still early days of CGI, especially for a TV show. And we do get some... So, like, if they put some weathering onto it, it'd look really good, but everything is brand new. Yeah, exactly. Like you say, it's got that That's the problem. It's Phantom Menace. Yeah. 
style CGI where everything is brand new and really bright. Absolutely. So the the main thrust of the episode then really is the good guys have got to destroy the time machine. And Silic comes into play as well. So like he appears in Trip's cell because Trip and Travis have been they've been yeah. captured by the Nazi vampire aliens. And well, it's not like where do, like it's not really explained how Silic got there either, is no, it? No, they said he hitchhiked. But <laughs> we who with like we you know, did he come back with Enterprise? Was he was he on Enterprise uh, anyway? And uh, maybe a random little ship that's maybe on the inside. <laughs> yeah, uh, just shooting around and he stuck his thumb out. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been. <laughs> could have been true. Like a Vogon, Vogon fleet could have brought him yeah. there if we're talking yeah. hitchhiking. Yeah, you're right. It's not thoroughly it's not explained. explained. Uh, there's quite a good bit like show they've actually thought it out. Like you get this bit where Reed's explaining. Uh, exactly why the timelines changed. So it's like Lenin got assassinated. So Russia didn't come together. So Hitler didn't see it as a didn't have to fight a war on two fronts. So he managed to take Europe. Yeah, and so that's quite good that they you know they've given some thought. They've put some thought of. Yeah, so I'm happy with that. That's pretty good. Though I don't like the bit, and this is just probably with us being English, but. There's a bit where Reed just says, in England, fell immediately. And it's like, oh, come off it. You know, yeah, we, we, did... we didn't. No, we, we, we wouldn't like, have done. It, we were putting up quite a good fight on our own. Like, everyone, may, like, this is because it's an American studio. And Americans do like to think that they won the Second World War. But they were actually quite late into the Second World War. Oh, yeah, 1941. So it'd been going two years. <laughs> yeah. So, like, we'd gone 39 to 41 before they even entered it. And, like, there were I don't think there was any danger of us actually being invaded by no. Germany. No, we got like, bombed a bit. Being an yeah. island nation, we do... We are quite difficult to... We were quite difficult to actually... T- Conquer in yeah. the same way as he did the rest I mean, of Europe. I just feel like, you know, maybe it's just with Reed being English, I think he'd have had a bit more pride than, say, so, you know, on a character level, but maybe they were just doing it to wind the actor up, like we're going to give him this line about England just yeah. getting mowed over. But anyway, whatever the reason is, it didn't sit right with me. Maybe that's just because we're, we're coming at it from an English perspective. Um, yeah, but we didn't just fall to the Germans. No. The Germans didn't just come take England. Exactly. Um, then, like we had Dad's army. Well, exactly. There you go. And that for anyone who's not from the UK probably wouldn't recognise Dad's army, but it's worth checking out. A good sitcom. My granddad was in the um, Home Guard. The home Guard. Yeah, well, he was a train driver. He had a protected job because yeah, yeah. they needed to keep the freight moving. Throughout the country, so it was, it was put on where it was kept in his job as a pope, had to keep in his job as opposed to going to fight. And like some of the stuff in Dad's army doesn't come close to how bad the actual home guard <laughs> yeah. really was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, anyone who's listening who's not seen Dad's army, it was a, a situation comedy set in the UK with they were sort of the, the home guard was kind of. Kind of like the Territorial Army, like the Reserves well, kind of thing. It was, it was, civilians. It was like, it was like 
ex-military sort from the First World War, so you had old men. Yeah. And you had people in protected jobs. Yeah. Which was like my grandfather. And you had people who were ill and couldn't get into the normal army or lied <laughs> about not being able to get into the army. <laughs> and, yeah, and they, you know, they made a, a comedy of it and they... Dad's army went on longer than the actual war did. It went on for years and years and years, did Dad's army. But it um, is worth it is worth oh, watching. It, yeah. It's one of those series that if you haven't seen Dad's army, it is um, really, really worth watching. I imagine for thing. anyone listening in America, it's most likely on BritBox. Uh, you yeah. can probably catch it on there. But yeah, if you've not seen it, Dad's army is worth checking out. Uh, back on Enterprise, though. Uh, Vosk arranges to meet up with Archer and he sort of, you get a bit of exposition here about the Temporal Cold War, it's he's sort of basically saying, oh no Archer you've got the wrong end of the stick, Daniels is the bad guys and they're meddling with time uh, and we are as well yeah. but we're doing it because we think you should be allowed to and I'll fix everything if you help us get back to his own time yeah, like, I have the impression that Fosk here, because he's, like, found Archer and he, he's got technology he realises for the, from the future. Yeah. And then the ship appears as well, you know, but that he can tell is from the future. I think he thinks they're, act they're actually responsible for travelling through yeah, time. Yeah, well, he keeps... He, uh, thinks, he thinks they can go manipulate time themselves. Yeah, like, they keep saying, like, are they temporal agents and all of this business? And, yeah, he wants the the technology they've got to be better than using the, the Nazi technology and everything. Um, and, obviously, we know Archer's not going to go along with it, but he, he says, I'll go back to the ship and think about it, and Vosk falls for this. And then there's quite a good scene where um, Trip, well, it's Silic impersonating Trip, and I think the acting by Trip is really good because you can tell that he's just a bit off, you know. Yeah. It's clear that it's not quite right. And obviously Archer realises and the Doctor does a scan on him and everything. But I think that's pretty cool. And then you get an interrogation of Silic and Silic's stealing or stolen some of Vosk's information. Yeah, he's stolen, like, the plans to... The site where they're building the huge time machine. That's it. So, yeah, why Silic's done that, I'm not... Into, maybe because he wants to build a time machine to get back or something? Um, um, well, <laughs> like, I got the impression Silic stole it because he wanted to find out how to get in to destroy their time machine. Right. But he, he needs Enterprise to do this. Yeah. But he's trying to keep the information from Enterprise. Yeah... Yeah, it, it, it it's really, it, it's, with these factions, it's really strange how they're, it's, they all need to work together, but they're not working together. Yeah, at, at this point, it's everybody versus Vosk, really, because Vosk yeah. is that bad that the rest of the factions will agree to put the differences aside to fight against him. Yeah. And you know, that moves us into sort of the, the end of the episode when it's, a big battle, really. Like, you've got Archer on the ground with the Resistance and he has to sneak down with Silic. And Silic ends yeah. up getting shot in all of it. And there's a bit where he kind of shows a bit of respect for Archer, which is... Yeah, you were a great nice. adversary. But, yeah. Uh, so, 
Which is nice. He has quite. He has that sort of like prolonged death, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he gets his his it's, moment, it, and he does. He does even do the sound effects of a prolonged death. He's got oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, you're a great enemy. Oh, I think the thing is, like you say, it's meant to have a load of impact because it's like, oh, you're a worthy opponent and all of this. Yeah, and, but Silic is only working for Future Man. Let's remember. Yeah, you don't. So, f- so Silic dying doesn't tie up his faction at all. No, it doesn't. Future guys still out there, and it's still all your Sulaban. Yeah, it, yeah, you're right. It doesn't tie so up. So it the doesn't Sullivan, tie up his but, faction whatsoever. But, at but least... this is. But in this episode, this is the end of Silic's or Future Guy's faction. Yeah, yeah. Well, Silic getting killed, which makes no sense for the faction to end. No, but it's yeah. Because Silic was just Silic was actually a tool of the faction. Well, he was, yeah. And as we know, he kept getting his powers taken away, even though yeah. he didn't. And yeah, weird one. Um. So yeah, they they all get away. There there is some really. I know I said about the special effects, and the special effects are not perfect. But there's a really cool like sequence where you've got Enterprise flying over New York and. Fighting all the other ships and everything—that yeah, looks brilliant. That, this is something I've mentioned before, and I do like this that they could do in Enterprise with it being CGI. Yeah, it's st- it still has all the damage and hull damage. Yeah, from does. fighting the Zindi, that's um, all still there, and I thought that was a really nice touch. It is because we've never seen that in pre- in previous Star Trek shows. No. And the fact that you can have a scene where it's flying around New York and there's other yeah. ships buzzing about and you've got a fight going on and it's all the ships are moving in a dynamic way. It's not just moving forward, moving back. Yeah. You know, this is great. And this is this is something, like you say, like the battle damage. We've not been able to do that in Star Trek up until now because of yeah. budget restrictions. It's really nice that they can use carrying the model through like that. And so, because, yeah, okay, the CGI doesn't hold up to modern scrutiny, but... But it's still not bad, is it? No, that's it. There's there's huge blockbuster movies, Phantom Menace, not mentioning any names, (laughs) (laughs) that, from the same period... Don't hold up the same as what the CG, some of this CGI is. No, absolutely. Up. And, you know, much as I love Babylon 5, this is leaps and bounds ahead of what Babylon 5 oh. was capable of doing. Yeah, um, well, Babylon 5 was, was a few done, years earlier. Was way but, before. Yeah. This, quite a long time before this, actually. Yeah. So it's. Yeah, I think it's really good that we get to do this stuff now, and it's something we've not really seen on Star Trek. And ultimately, they destroy the machine. Archer gets whisked away to talk to Daniels. And you get the impression this is maybe a little bit of a kind of metatextual comment by the writers. Because Archer basically says, I don't want to hear about the Temporal Cold War anymore. I yeah. don't ever want to see you again. Well, this is like Daniels goes, you can see time correcting itself. Which is fair enough. You've got these shots from old films and all that. Yeah, yeah. Of different stuff. Very much like the sort of things that we got in um, The Guardian of Tomorrow. Yes, yeah. How that showed time. So, it's showing that. And this is where Daniels goes, yeah, um, time's corrected itself and the temporal Cold War's coming to an end. Yep, that's it. But why? 
Why is the temporal? All you've done is defeat one faction. Well, but you were the most dangerous faction, so... Yes, but... The, yeah, it isn't tied up well. Daniels can obviously handle the other ones. So why he's been faffing about for three years getting Archer to deal with the Zindi and the Sullivan when the real threat were this Voss guy we only heard yeah. about two episodes ago. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's, yeah it, it, it is it, a weird it, one. Like, like I say, this is a really fun episode. Yeah. To watch this as a, as a two-parter, especially on Netflix, because you have... Because of how Netflix plays, you just have skip recap, skip intro, yeah, so you exactly. literally just play it as one movie. Yeah. And it's it's great to watch it like that, and it works really well. And especially because it isn't season finale. Like, they messed up the season finale. Yeah, a little bit. We know that. We've, we've talked about the through too much. But to just watch this as a two-parter... Ignoring the fact of it being part of the Temple of Cold War, this is a really fun episode to watch. Yeah, I'd go with that. But, no, we haven't got our answers about no, the Temple No, we haven't. So sorry no. we misled you last week. Yeah. But um... Like, anybody who was expecting it to be wrapped up, we're really, really sorry. Yeah, after all the... I think by this point, we... we... everyone who's been following the Temple of Cold War were probably prepared not to have it yeah. up nicely. And there is just a feeling of, right, now we've got rid of that, we can get on with making the show the way we want to make it. Yeah. And they probably should have done that at least one or two seasons earlier than they have done. But Yeah, like, well, to be fair, at this point, I know they've decided that they're wrapping up the Temple of Cold War, but... I'd have liked this episode not being part of the Temple of Cold War, or just being part of it, and then defeating one faction, so it moves on. And then give us another t- two episodes to tie it all up. <laughs> yeah, Because, like I say, having followed the Temple of Cold War, I haven't got my payout for it. No, and, like, yeah, find out who Future Guy is, what's going on with him... Give us an answer on the Folians. Yeah, they turned up in one episode and that was it. Yeah, who were controlling and, the Folians? Who, who was it who actually had the little uh, spaceship that's uh, massive on the inside that can move through time <laughs> and space? Oh, yeah, we never that found out. That isn't intellectual property of any other franchise. Yeah, no, we never <laughs> quite got an answer with that one either. Anyway, so that's the Temporal Cold War. <laughs> yeah. They get um, home at the end. It's a, There's a lovely end sequence where there's all the Earth and Vulcan ships coming to meet them. Yeah, come out to meet them, so like back a, in the own time. a hero's welcome kind of thing. And the, the very next episode, I think, is one of Enterprise's very best episodes. It's kind of the... It, it, it was very much in the sort of spirit of brothers after Best of Both Worlds, I thought. Yeah, uh, family. So, is it, sorry, family, yeah. Yeah. I did as well. I think it is very much like that, and it's a really, really strong episode. In fact, I think most of season four is pretty strong. So yeah, we'll See, like we will come back and look at some of the some more enterprises at some point. But yeah, for uh, the, for the next we have we have a couple more time travel episodes. Yeah, and I think we've left the best till last. We have. Yeah, we've got two. Stone Cold classics to look at over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and um, then we into Discovery for 13 we, weeks. Absolutely. 
So before we do that, then we'll take a look at the most recent episode of Lower Decks. Uh, we'll play your red alert if you've not seen it. Now's your time to pause and come back once you have done. Okay, so the latest episode of Lower Decks called Veritas. I'm going to put my cards on the table early. I think this is the best episode so far. Um, I'm, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, I haven't done a rewatch of the series going back, and I said this the same yeah. last week, and I think this show gets stronger and stronger every week. I think it does. And uh, Is it the best episode? I'm, I, I'm not sure. Did I really enjoy this episode? Yes, I did. Yeah, I I mean for me it is. I just I love some <laughs> of the stuff some of the stuff they do in it, the way it it really plays around with the the narrative structure and it it basically we're getting four different versions of not the well, same we're events. Four different, but... we're getting, um what is it? It's it's like a it is it's pulp fiction sort of thing that we're getting yeah. the 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 four stories are interconnected. Yeah, they are, and like some of them are done in one style, and the other ones are done in another. It reminds me of um, there's an episode of the X Files called uh, Jose Chums from Outer Space, where uh, there's like a writer researching for a sci-fi novel, and he's getting oh, not a sci-fi novel. It's like about uh, an alien abduction. It's like a true uh, true story of it. And obviously he gets like Mulder and Scully's version and he gets other people's versions and one of them's really weird and then one of them's a little bit... Uh, it's kind of a similar thing to this. Uh, I thought it was really, really good. But we we start off then, they look like they're in an alien prison. Yeah, it, like, that's the thing. It does. This whole episode flips itself on its head in the last couple of minutes. Yeah, it does. And it's it, it's made deliberately to look like Star Trek Six, where yeah. they're on a platform and it's rising them up and everybody's you know, in darkness and they're banging on the tables and everything. And, you know, the characters are commenting on that. They're like, you know, it looks like a Klingon prison, but like, oh no, they see, you should see what the Klingon ones are like and all of that. And you've got the main alien guy and his voice... I recognised his voice, but I couldn't place him. Um, so I had to Google it. And it's um, the guy who was in uh, Year of Hell, you know, Clarence Bodiger from Robocop. Right, of course. Yeah, it, that was it. I just couldn't also, place Also, we've got it. another, Rob- another Robocop. Robocops together in the same show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I like when he's he's asking him, uh, you know, tell me about the certain star date, and he reads it in this really sinister fashion. Yeah. Like, point six. <laughs> I think he's really, really good. And is it the first version of events? Do we get Mariner's version first? Um, and it's, it, yeah, because it's the, the back on, the working in the shuttle bay, and the talking about who'd win in the fight between Roger Denar and Khan. <laughs> and that again it gets I know people have sort of commented in the past like they have too many references or what have you but I really love the way she references the, the name of the episode Space Seed Yeah, and it does it almost naturally you know you can get away with it as 
naturalish dialogue, but obviously it's a yeah a well, wink to the I audience. I think it's that thing that they're still doing references, but like that that in the first episode where she's spilled off loads and loads and loads one yeah. after another. I think that was done deliberately in the first episode that to get it out of the way. Maybe so, but, yeah. But because it's a because it's a comedy and it's animation, it can do this where it can it can sort of look at itself a oh, bit yeah. differently than the the live action shows and Yeah, you can you can get away with being a bit more of a skewered version of of Star Trek than you can in live action. And I yeah. think like we said before, I think they've settled into that now and they're finding they're finding the right tone for doing that. And like there's another bit where Mariner uh, they're talking about Earth and she's oh, it's just drinking wine and making soul food, which is obviously a reference to Picard and Cisco. So Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of little things thrown out. And then they find out uh, that there's a red alert going on, but it's because Rutherford's accidentally turned it off, basically. <laughs> and so you get this great thing where where they have to go on the bridge, but they've got to pretend that they know what's going on, even though they don't. And they've kind of got to blag it. And at one point, Boimler says, we need to do a crazy Ivan, which... Rang a bell with me, and I remembered where it's from. It's from um, Firefly, the the TV show. And in the pilot episode of that, they do uh, like a, a manoeuvre in Serenity where they basically do like a U-turn in the atmosphere of a planet, and they call it a Crazy Ivan. Right. So that's, that's a reference to that. And then there's where she says... Send them a message and she fires at them. Well, yeah, like that to me makes sense. He does. That's send, usually send what it means. And she said she fires across the bow. Yeah, and it's I like Mariner is perfectly right, right here. What she says. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like is it um, um, can isn't it in Star Trek Two where he says explain it to them and they yeah. have to fire it. Yeah, but it uh, like I. Straight away, send him a message. That's fire, fire across the bow. Yeah, I think I think this is on the captain. She yeah, she needs to work on a, a phraseology because I think most people would have done the same thing. Yeah, I meant invite them to dinner. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I like how Mariner just throws Boimler under a bus when he's sort of guessing at well, we'll do this or this, and he's and she's like, no, that'd be stupid. And he's like, Mariner, <laughs> and. This then gets interrupted, all of this recounting of this story. The alien sort of cuts her off and like, no, no, why are you telling us this? You, I can't believe that the the crew would be this incompetent. And this is like the first time you watch it, you, you're not quite sure why he's saying that. But of course, we find out at the end, don't we, that it's... Yeah, it's... It's sort of the opposite of a roast. It's like you meant to say how great they all are and um, you meant to be sort of singing all the virtues and this alien guy's like, yeah. no, we want you to tell a good story I, I about how great you are. You're you, you Starfleet crew. How can you not know what's going on on your own ship? Yeah. Uh, when well, we well, lower decks, we don't. <laughs> which is true, yeah. And then Rutherford's one's really good as well. I like how each version that we get 
there's a different sort of gimmick to each one. Like Mariners is more or less straightforward, or more or less straightforward for lower decks. But then Rutherford's got this thing of he's had this upgrade, so he keeps sort of skipping bit. His memory skips. Yeah, so he, he sort of his implant takes over and does something. Yeah, and he doesn't know, and so we get we only get told. What is when he's awake? Yeah, the bits that he can recall after the fact, sort of thing, and it's really hard to. I think it'll take a lot of viewings of the episode to piece together exactly what's happened. You know what the sequence of events is. Well, they've gone to Vulcan to steal a, a Romulan warbird from a museum. Right. Is um, what I've is what I it think seems done. to be. Yeah. And yeah, because you get that bit. There's a really literal security guy uh, where he's like, "Oh, you're distracting me now." When he's meant to be distracting yeah. him, <laughs> and you get Rutherford doing the fan dance, which is obviously a reference <laughs> to <laughs> Star Trek Five. Yeah, and then he wakes up and he's in space, and there's a cloaked bird of prey. Yeah, how am I standing in space? Yeah, <laughs> and then there's a gone wedding. Yeah. Which, and then he goes, right, get me out of here, implant. And he's like, no, I'm still at the gone wedding. <laughs> uh, what what I find really interesting about that is when he's been attacked by the gone, he is wanting his implant to kick in so that he won't remember it. But he could still get killed by the gone, even if his yeah. implant's going on. So it's almost like, to him, the the implant taking over, it's kind of like time travelling, but it's not really, because the gun could still eat you while the implant's in well, charge. Well, it's, it's... But it is, it's quite clever that his implant takes over and he does parts of the mission. Yeah. Well, but it's... I'm like, they keep having him upload, like, tactical things into his implant. Yeah. So he does it, and then that part of the mission's over, so he comes round, and then he, another part uploads. Yeah, it's really clever, and it, it plays with ideas of memory, memory, ha- and how memory relates to the actual experience, because, you know, when you think back on your past, the only things that feel real are the things that you remember, but... Yeah. But everything else still happened, but <laughs> but you don't consciously remember it. So it's it's weird, but that feeling that we get, like when we're asleep, we don't remember it, but we're still there. And, you know, you pass out or whatever. But for Rutherford, that's very literal because he's got this implant doing that. And I think, I think that's a really interesting way of framing this bit of the story. I think it's... You could have got a whole episode out of that concept, but... <laughs> Instead, we just get the snippet there. And then we move on to Tendy's version. No, oh, I like Tandy's, Tandy's version. Yeah, I do. It's so like... great. I've got a post and I'm cleaning um, what the... Oh, what do you call it? I can't remember. What is it? She's... Like the briefing room, the officer's briefing room. Oh, yeah, room. yeah, she's that's cleaning. it. So she said, really excited that she's going to clean. Yeah. And then ne- next thing, the, there's this briefing going on around her. Oh, are you the cleaner? And the means something totally different. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I, I can't tell you the full story because it's classified. So you get yeah. people we went, and, we went and, uh, ca- and infiltrated the ROM 
Beep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the neutral beep. And... Yeah, and they've got all, all the characters, every cartoon, every character's got the eyes blocked Yeah, their out. eyes are covered. I think that's, that's brilliant. And they, again, they do a similar thing in the X-Files episode that I uh, talked about where people bleep and it covers it and everything. But yeah, I love it. I think it's such a, a again, another really clever concept to yeah. do. Yeah, and it's like at the end of it, as they're, as they're getting away and all that, she attacks all the security guards and it's suddenly she can do all these martial arts. Yeah. And I was thinking, to be fair, you see this, like we saw on TOS, this sort of training, didn't we, where they were all doing Kirk Fur Oh, yeah, yeah. And that. And I think that would be a, like a normal part of Starfleet training at the academy. You would assume it'd so. Hand, it'd be hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, you would assume they would have to have something, yeah. Yeah, so I assume that's part of a, a general academy training that we don't realise, like, these nerdy, nerdy people at times are actually really dangerous in a one-on-one situation if it comes to it. Yeah. You they do know how to... They have been trained how to protect themselves and how to do all this fighting. But then you got the other guy goes, wow, what's she doing? Wow. I thought she was over here to beam us out. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it really, really good. And then we get Boimler's, which is just kind of a, a series of little... Just little samples, really, of other missions and things like that. And this is where we get Q, who we've known for a couple of weeks we're going to turn up. And I quite like the... It's sort of a chessboard, but they're playing football as well. And some of them are dressed up as cards, and some of them are dressed up as chess pieces. There's all sorts of things going on with Q's little bit. And there's the salt vampires in there as well. And yeah, you've got a was it Ransom's pick chatting up this girl <laughs> and they're going, it's a salt vampire. No, they they've been extinct for a hundred years. Yeah. Oh well, don't believe us. <laughs> then there's the cat doctor who thinks that everybody's forgotten who she is, which is you know that episode with Beverly. Yeah. Uh, remember me? Well, I she's, think on the, she's on the wrong ship. <laughs> yeah, she's on the wrong ship. Brilliant. And Boimler also talks about he mentions giant Spock which is from the animated series. So that's, again, referencing that as canon, which it's always been a bit of a grey area, the animated series, but it's certainly... Yeah, well, they said at one time... At one point, they said it wasn't canon. Then they said it was canon. Yeah. Then they said only a certain amount of episodes are canon. Yeah. Then they said just one episode isn't canon. Yeah. But I think, to me, it's a... It's... even though it's animated, yeah, it's pretty much most of the original cast members, and it's appeared on screen. It is canon. Yeah, and I think that seems to be the attitude that they're taking now. Yeah, and certainly there've been call outs to it here. Uh, so yeah, I'm happy to go with that. And yeah, Boimler ends up making a big speech, and this is where, like you said earlier, we find out this isn't a trial; it's actually a party. And yeah, and they're there. Well, why the in the nasty beam? Is that no? It's the beam of celebration. Yeah. Yeah. But what about him up there? And he goes, uh, the old guy up there. And he goes, what? What? 
what about what about me? I'm just preparing for my granddaughter's birthday. Yeah, and then they get kicked out because he's only booked twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but what about throwing us into the vat of eels? And and Ransom goes, Well, we let them because, like it's the tradition. Yeah, you can't it's the tradition. And all, it all comes down to this, right, well, we need to inform the crew more, but they ask loads of questions and it's all classified. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, like I said earlier, I think I think the idea of this is that we, the audience, are not meant to really know what this mission was. But yeah, I, it's I, one of them where you know, you know a top-secret mission has gone on. Yeah. Re- Somehow the guy who's been questioning them has been rescued. Yeah. And it, but we're getting little snippets of what of how they've all been involved. But Tandy doesn't actually know a great deal. All she knows is that she got took on this mission, and then she fought a load of security guys at the yeah. end of it. And Rutherford, Rutherford was blacked out for the whole. Yeah, thing. he he would. If we could have a look at Rutherford's implant, we'd get the full story. But um, yeah. um Boimler doesn't have a clue what's going on. All he explains is that lower decks don't know anything that Yeah, Boimler and Mariner, to be fair, didn't have a right lot to do with it, really. Yeah, like Mariner's fired a shot across the bow of a ship. Yeah, but I am <laughs> willing to bet that if you, you know, if you re-watch this episode a few times and pick it all out, I bet it does all hang together. Oh, and... I've watched it a few... T- I've actually watched it a few times. Well, you know, yeah. I, I tend to do that. And, and it does the. That's why I know that they went to to Vulcan and stole the ship and and all that. And, yeah. and it does tie together, but there's a lot of gaps in it still. And yeah. but I think that's very deliberate. Yeah, I'm that sure it's in the position. It's putting you into the position of being part of lower decks. Yes. Yeah. That you, you're getting that. Yet yeah, these guys are part of the crew. Yeah. Um, they do do really important parts of of the missions and the really important to everything working and it all coming together. But they're not actually always told what they're doing. No, exactly. They're just sort of, you, like, you, if you go back to TOS, um, it's really great tips because you'd have, they'd come up to planet of the week and the big monster of the week on the planet. And they'd have done the scans on the bridge. Yeah. And then Kirk would go, right. Um, I want, McCoy and Spock with me, and they'd maybe been on the bridge, so they'd know what was going on. But then he'd have have me five security guards, have me <laughs> this yeah. person meet me, and this person meet me in the transport room, and not one of them people would actually know what they were going no, into. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and that's the you know that that's the way it is in any situation, really. You know, it unless you're the captain of the ship or the chairperson of the company or yeah. whatever it is, you don't know the full story. You're just right. We need you to You're do this. the wheel. Exactly. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. It's interesting for us to see that. Before we wrap up on this one, the end scene with Q is brilliant. Yeah, the, so, we haven't got time for Yeah, we, we're just not in the <laughs> mood not for Q. We're with you. <laughs> yeah. Go and I pick hard. But all he wants to do is talk Shakespeare and make wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and see, I think here, because Q obviously knows Mariner, and this adds to my theory that I think Mariner served on the Enterprise. Yeah, and 
like she's meant to be the same age as Boimler, but she, she can't be the same. No. I don't think she can be the same age as Boimler. It doesn't seem that way, does it? it... No, because she's been on five ships and she's got so much more experience. And he's pre- he, he gives the impression he's quite fresh out of the academy. Yeah. And, maybe a year, maybe two years. And we know that she's been demoted down to Ensign, so... Yeah. Yeah, I think we've got two episodes left. I do think we're going to find out a bit more about Mariner. Um, um, but, like, yeah, I, 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 you, I think at some point she's been on the Enterprise. I Because she, she quotes a lot of stories from the Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, I, and she quotes, and especially how Lower Decks is letting you see that they don't know everything that goes on, especially how this episode's put together. Yeah. So, being on the Enterprise before she was demoted, she might have known what was going on because she was that bit higher and into exactly, the class, yeah. into sort of working on the bridge on a regular basis. And see, I wouldn't be surprised if we get some a vocal cameo in the next couple of weeks from a TNG cast member who knows Mariner. And I don't know that. I've not read it anywhere. No, but you mean I, but you mean something like Jonathan Fritz? Jonathan Fritz. Or, be doing stuff for Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Patrick Stewart's, they've had, you know, obviously the, they've had him in the studios and stuff. So it yeah. only take a few minutes to record a little bit yeah. of a vocal cameo. So I don't know. But that that's my guess that we might get something like that. Um, but we've two episodes left of Lower Decks. And then we're on to Discovery, but yeah, going from strength to strength, I think, at the minute, yeah, lower deck. Yeah, and again, I wouldn't, it wasn't howling howling out loud, roll on the floor funny, but it's great Star Trek. It is, and it, as I say, this one, I just thought it was so clever, all the different things they did yeah, with the different ways, of, different ways clever, of telling and stories. Us, and it's put us as a viewer into the shoes of the lower decks. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, really strong episode. Um, so we'll be back next week and we'll be looking at, um, as I say, we're looking at a couple more time travel stories. That Yeah, we've got uh, one from DS9 next week. Yep, and then an original series to finish us off the week after. We'll also be looking at the next episode of Lower Decks. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, we're on Twitter at RetrekPod. You can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com, or you can just come to the Facebook group, search for Retrek. We're on there. Thanks for trekking with us this time, and we'll see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye.